Welcome everybody to, or welcome back, I should say, to All Access USL. Uh, we're finally back after about two weeks. I did just release the history of Fresno FC um, episode about two days ago, I believe. Um, and then next week we'll have Las Vegas. So I'm very excited to get that series up and started. Um, but there's been a lot that's gone on in the past two weeks. And there's a lot coming up. I just want to remind you guys, I will be heading to Louisville for the Louisville City FC game on Saturday, July 9th. As I'm recording this, it's um, July 6th. So that'll be nice. Noah Powder just got traded to um, FC Tulsa and for Sean Lewis. So Sean Lewis heading to the Indy 11 and Noah Powder heading to FC Tulsa. Very, very big trade. A one-for-one. One. Absolutely fantastic for both teams. Indy have struggled in the goalkeeper position, and Tulsa do need to do much better defensively. So I think it'll work well for both sides. But we can get back into that a bit later. Um, the only reason there wasn't a new episode last week is because I was just stuffed for time, unfortunately. But I think I'll be able to make up for it with a longer episode this week for sure there's a lot to talk about i have a lot written down that i want to go over a couple questions some that i came up with that seem fitting for how the season is going already some that i've been asked by people over on my instagram at all all access usl on instagram so send me some questions there if you have any so yeah have a couple questions um i do have my team of the season so far so yeah, we'll go through that. And then I also have my top five teams from the past two-ish weeks since Ju since June 23rd. Um, and my worst five teams since June 23rd. So, yep. And then I also have a couple players that I believe could be not on the move soon, but seem the most likely to get a move outside of the league based on form, stuff like that. Um, especially after seeing Kobe Henry head to Ram and Diego Luna head to RSL. It seems like our young players in this league are really getting looks. And these three players, I feel, um, are next in line to get that big move outside of the USL championship. Um, I don't believe there's anything else to say other than I will also be at the Detroit City FC game on July 23rd. So I'm very excited for that as well. Two games coming up this month. Um, and I couldn't be more excited for both of them. But let's jump right into things. There's a lot, I think, overall that goes into a team that we don't really look at. Like, obviously, good tactics solid players, a well-rounded side, good management, goes into creating a good team in this league. But I went through the top three teams in each conference and looked at what really makes them the best. Like, what should teams lower down the table be looking to do? Um, kind of a mixture of what I've come across here. So we'll start in the East. For Louisville, I put good youth intake. Um, Josh Winder, uh, Ray Serrano, Wilson Harris, 
they have really done well um, youth-wise, scouting-wise. I mean, Wilson Harris isn't even their product, but having the wherewithal to realize that he is a player of quality and bring him in, and then he repays them with that, um, absolutely fantastic. And Louisville also, along with their youth intake, have been very good at keeping their main core. Um, Cameron Lancaster mainly. He is one of the staples of this team. And him continuing to be there. Not that I think he would move. Because I think he loves it there in Louisville. Um, but being able to keep hold of one of the USL Championship's best players um, consistently is huge. And he is a big reason every season to why Louisville are so good. And then I also put that Louisville always have good goalkeepers. I've seen this recently with a lot of the top sides, mainly Louisville and Phoenix. Um, they go and it seems like they go get loans for young MLS goalkeepers, but they s switch through goalkeepers season by season. But Louisville continuously hit on their goalkeeper signings this year. It's um, Siegfried. They've had him for a while, but they also have Kyle Morton. Uh, and recently, Danny Foundes has been playing for Louisville in goal. And Foundes has been very good um, in his few starts for Louisville. And Louisville are overall just a well-rounded team. They always are a well-rounded team. Uh, I think it was 2020 when they had a poor start. And they still had a decent roster in 2020. But... You know, they had a poor start. It seemed like maybe this season Louisville won't be that good. But Louisville have this standard. And they always reach at least some part of that standard. And it's really something. Louisville is one of the teams that you need to, I almost feel like, compare yourself to. Because Louisville are, like, the staple USL championship team. Um... And I think unless another team is able to build better, Phoenix seemed like they could have been there for a while, but this season shows that maybe the management isn't really there or the egos are just too big and are clashing or the players just don't complement each other. So I don't think they're quite on Louisville's level of like comparing yourself to them. Like, are we doing what Phoenix is doing? Are we, like, stable? Because Phoenix did seem... Like, Louisville are a stable club. Consistently good. Phoenix, dropping off this year, disappointing. I wouldn't exactly call them stable anymore because if stuff like this can happen in a season where they should be very good, then I'm not willing to call them stable. But, yeah, Louisville are one of those teams that, like, you always compare yourself to. Like, do we have... The same philosophy as Louisville because Louisville continuously get it right all the time. Um, and then we have Memphis in second in the East. For them, I think it's mainly players stepping up. Philip Goodrum, Laurent Kissiadu, Trey Muse has been pretty good in goal. Patrick Segrist, um, Reese Buckmaster, Aaron Malloy. They've been very, very good. And I think these are just players that complement each other well. All these players are really good on their own, but I don't think any of us really expected Memphis to be this good this year. And I think 
this is like the opposite of Phoenix. This is not ego clashing. This is players who know what they want to get done, who know that they have the talent and they are putting all their efforts into working together and their efforts have shown through massively. Second in the East, top of the East for three or four weeks in a row, I believe, before this. Now Louisville have taken them over, which is nothing to be ashamed of because Louisville are a fantastic team and Memphis are still right in that fight. But I think for Memphis, it's just about keeping that stability, keeping the players working together, keeping them on that top form. Because we saw, um, you know, I can't remember who they just lost to, but I know recently they did just drop a game, um, which happens, but the bounce back is what matters. Because if a team like Memphis loses two or three games in a row, then I think they could start sliding down. I don't think they'll miss the playoffs, to be honest. If they do hit that sort of form, I think they'd finish about fifth or sixth. But the bounce back is big. If they bounce back from those losses, then obviously they'll still be up there. But if they go on a little slide, that confidence is down. This is a team that feels like if the confidence is down for even a little bit, they're going to slide down the table, which I really hope they don't. I've really enjoyed Memphis's play um, overall this season. It's been fantastic. And then third in the East, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And I think Tampa Bay and Louisville have been comparable for like the last three seasons. Because um, Tampa Bay have been right up there. Last year... They were in the USL Championship Final. They lost to Orange County. Um, and I have something similar for Tampa Bay um, with Louisville as well. They have been able to keep their strong core intact. They lost Forrest Lasso um, this past offseason. And that should have been a huge loss. But they have stuck to it. Brought in good defenders, Robert Castellanos. Um, as a replacement this offseason on loan from, Na I believe, on loan from Nashville. And they've still been very good. A 5-2 win against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds away two weeks ago is just a good example of how good this Tampa Bay side really is. No one goes into Pittsburgh and wins 5-2, but Tampa Bay did. Um, But that's really all I have for them. I mean, like, Lucky Imkosana, Leo Fernandez, Juan Tejada, Seba Guanzari, Dos Santos, CJ Cochran in goal um, coming in for a Rose Arena has been very, very big. So, um, yeah. Tampa Bay, overall, these past three seasons have just been very consistent. I mean, for God's sake, they made the USL Championship final two years in a row. They lost last year, granted, to an Orange County team who were just too hot. And the year before that, 2020, the final was canceled um, after um, COVID cases within both Phoenix and Tampa Bay. But Tampa Bay are a very good side. And I think from the East, what we can garner is um, keeping your core intact, having good youth intake, and having players that are willing to work together. That seems like what you would need to be successful in the East. Obviously, some of the lower teams who don't, um, who aren't like competing as much, 
in terms of like making the playoffs consistently or things like that, they're going to have high turnover in their rosters. But I think if you're able to keep at least three or four of your main guys from season to season, then you have a good chance of really building something there. Um, and I think teams like Louisville and Tampa Bay show that. And then Memphis this year just showing that, obviously, putting egos aside, working together, using all your talents collectively really shines through and can help massively for seemingly a conference title push. Things in the West are a bit different than the East, however. Um, in the West, the top three are San Antonio, Colorado Springs, and San Diego. And obviously, all those three teams, I would say, play a bit differently. I feel like San Antonio are super attack-minded. They're attack-minded fullbacks, um, and they have a stacked attack. They have stacked attacking depth and a capable defensive midfield with Abu and Jordi Delem. It's insane. Uh, attack minded fullbacks, Connor Maloney and Mitch Taintor. Very, very often you'll see them get up. Um, Mitch Taintor especially. And then stacked attacking depth. We all know how good San Antonio's um, attack really is. So for San Antonio, seems like um, being attack minded is really what you want to be. For Colorado Springs, especially in these past couple of seasons, they have been very much youth-oriented in the attack um, and experience in the defense. Dennis Erdman, Jimmy Oxford doing bits at the back. Haji Berry, Misha Ingolina, Elvis Amo, Cam Lindley doing the work in midfield and up top. Jeff Caldwell and goal, um, keeping them in games as well. So you really see this mix of experience um, and youth. I wouldn't say it's really a mix. It's more a mix of like, I don't know. I really don't know how to put it. Like it's youth, then experience, then like mid youth and experience, and then youth up top. So there's really no interlocking in like areas, but there is experience in the team, but it's all in the back line mostly. So they have a leading back line, but they have pretty much youth all the rest around the field which is working so far this season. Second in the Western Conference, very, very good. Um, and Haji Berry and Elvis Amo and all those players I just listed have been on fire this year. And that is what you need coming off of a season like last season. Um, last season being one of their best in club history. I believe it was their best in club history after disappointing 2019 and 2020 seasons. Last year was what they needed and they're continuing to build and get better. Um, and I think that mix is working well. San Diego, however, have a mix of it all over the place. Um, for attack, they have Kyle Vassell, Evan Conway in midfield, Ali Guido, Charlie Adams, Nico Boxel at the back, Koke Vegas in goal. It's a lot of mixture of youth and experience all throughout the whole side. And I think um, it also helps that they have Koke Vegas in goal, like I just said. He is a leader. Played with Levante in Spain um, for a bit. Not many appearances, but he has that top flight experience where he is a leader. He can come here and take charge of that back line. And I think he has done that fantastically. Um, and Kyle Vassell has been a shrewd 
pickup as well from Fleetwood Town, I believe. I believe it was Fleetwood Town in England. Um, and San Diego have impressed me as well. Their consistency over the seasons has continued to impress me. It seemed like maybe last year they wouldn't be that well. 2020, I had my skepticism as well. Um, but they've done well to be consistent throughout the years. Um, and I think they will do well this year. I think top three is their aim and should continue to be their aim. They are third right now. Um, they have had a couple drop-offs, mainly that big 5-2 home loss to Louisville at Torero. But right now, they're on top of it, coming off of some decent wins, a big 5-0 win against Indy 11 at home. So I would say that San Diego are back on form for sure. And then I also put, I know I said their names already, but I put Charlie Adams and Alejandro Alejandro Guido in their own little category because to, like, it's hard to really put into words how important those two players are to this team. One in Charlie Adams, they're both like playmakers and holding midfielders in their own right. They're both very good um, at playing both sides of the ball, which to have that in this league is fantastic. So Charlie Adams and Guido, absolutely massive for the San Diego team. Um, and I don't think there are any other teams who have players like Charlie Adams and Ali Guido. So that's kind of a one-off thing for looking at success in the West. So I'd say for in the East, good youth intake, um, not having super high turnover season to season, keeping some of that core intact, um, and having players step up and play as a collective is big for success in East. In the West, having some good mixture of youth and experience having some leaders at the back and then having um, a also having like for for San Antonio, this feels obviously super suited for them. Obviously tactics vary by team, but it seems like putting, the, putting this all together could make a decent ish side in either conference. But for San Antonio, the attack minded fullbacks thing, not for every side because uh, Mitchell Taintor is a special player. So yeah, well, Got through that. Um, big ups to Louisville, Memphis, and Tampa Bay for being in the top three. And big ups to San Antonio, Colorado Springs, and San Diego for being in the top three in the West. I'm excited to see what they do for the rest of the season. Uh, before we head into some questions, we're going to take a quick break. And we are back with some questions. Only two, but I think I'm going to go through them um, not super fast, but... Before the questions, two things. Um, Matthew Cardoni, this past weekend with San Antonio, did retire, came on for the last 15 minutes, I believe. So thank you, Matt Cardoni, for everything you have done for this league. It was a pleasure to watch you. And Dane Kelly this weekend as well, or yeah, with his game tonight, um, will be the all-time regular season appearance leader with 243 appearances, I believe. So two huge things coming in just the span of about five days. So thank you, Matt, for everything you have done for this league. And congratulations, Danny Kelly, for being the highest regular season appearance player in USL Championship history. Now, the two questions. Um, one, 
for OKC Energy. We haven't talked about them in a while. And then the other two for Orange County, or the other one for Orange County and Phoenix. The first question is, will the OKC Energy be ready for 2023? And how might they do? That is a tough thing to predict. Um, Villian, there are two, two main players. Villian Bijev is doing decent at the CV Fuego in USL League One on loan. He will be back, as far as I know, next season. Um, and CJ Cochran on loan at Tampa Bay has been very good. And Tampa Bay have the pull to bring a player like CJ Cochran back. Um, and I would, I don't like Saint, but Tampa Bay is definitely a more desirable place to be than OKC, especially right now with how Tampa Bay are playing. And I think Cochran would be a locked in starter if he did come back. He'd be a locked in starter at OKC, but I think Tampa has more to offer him, um, next season if they were to want to sign him permanently from OKC. If they lose Cochran, I could see OKC probably finishing bottom or close to bottom of the West. If they're able to keep CJ Cochran, I think more players in general would be willing to join. I think it's still a project coming off of a season hiatus. It always will be. Um, it's, it was really hard to see them make that announcement um, that they were taking this season off due to uh, renovations at TAF that they had... N- they just couldn't, they couldn't do anything about it, um, and they couldn't find anywhere else to play. So for OKC, I think next year will be tough. I'm thinking anywhere from like probably bottom um, in their conference, which is going to be a even something even harder to come back from. I would say a season hiatus is one thing, but finishing bottom after a season hiatus is going to be very difficult. It'll be great to see them back but it seems like it could be a tough couple of seasons for them as they find their feet um, and try to reestablish themselves in this league. So I hope OKC Energy do well when they return, but I just don't see it happening. And then the other question, will Orange County and Phoenix turn a corner this season? Both teams kind of feel the same but different i have more of a feeling that orange county have the ability to win like i worded that so poorly going into the recent games that they've played i've had more of a feeling that orange county had the possibility to win their games than phoenix did phoenix just feel like a team demoralized right now like and like they don't know what they're doing um orange county they got a good win over Loudon. They've scrapped together a couple points here and there. But I really don't see Orange. I don't see. I do not see Phoenix turning a corner. They really need to shake things up. And I don't think bringing players in is the answer. I think it's going to be departures um, of key players because. Clearly, things are not working out, and they need to change something quickly. So departures first, then bring players in. Do not just bring players in now, because they are already stacked, and like I said, it's clearly not working like they thought it would. 
Um, Orange County, they did have a good offseason. I've said that, and I will continue to say that plenty of times. But like Phoenix, it's just not working. They have taken some steps in recent weeks, but I just don't think it's there. Uh, I think they've spent too much time losing in the beginning um, half of the season where it really doesn't matter what they do for the next half of the season. Um, and I don't think they're going to do anything massive anyway. I think next season will... I think the first half of the season and what they do in the second half of the season will be a big lesson for uh, what not to do for a reigning champion. And I think next year they'll be back fighting for the playoffs. But this year, don't think they're going to turn a corner to get there. Phoenix, on the other hand... I think they could be right back at it next year if they're smart about it. They could even do it this year, I guess. I know I just said that they probably won't, but they could if, like I said, they do departures first, then bring players in that they know will work because clearly they didn't know what they were getting with some of these players and it's not what they wanted at all. So... Could see Phoenix being back soon. Probably not this season, but not out of it. It is Phoenix. But Orange County, I think next year will be um, a big year for them, for sure. I think next year we see both teams um, back at 100% for sure. But overall, I think it's going to be a big struggle for both sides as we head into the second half of the season. Now... Those two questions done, we have my team of the season so far. There, I so for this team of the season, I only did one striker, but Milan Alaski did make it in at Cam. I will let you guys know that because he is the top goal scorer. It'd be hard to keep him out, but we'll go from the bottom up. So we'll start in goal. We'll go with Nate Steinwasher in goal from Detroit City FC. This Detroit overall, I don't, nobody, Detroit are pretty much like Memphis. No one expected them to be this good this year. I think we all thought Detroit season would kind of be like Monterey Bay season. Um, Disappointing, some high points, obviously, but Detroit have been fantastic. Um, Coming off of a 1-0 away win against Las Vegas. Las Vegas, even regarding how they played recently, Las Vegas is still a hard place to go and get points, and Detroit got all three. And Knight Steinwasher has been a big part of every game that they've played this year. He's been one of the best goalkeepers in the league, and that's why he's in my team of this season so far. Massive save percentage, good clean sheet record. Um, He's been behind a solid defense, granted, but he has still been good when called upon. Evan Newton does have the most saves in the league with El Paso. But I think Steinwasher has done more um, for his side than Evan Noon, even regarding Evan Noon being atop of the save chart. So Steinwasher in goal. At left back, we have Patrick Segrist of uh, Memphis 901. He has been absolutely fantastic defensively and offensively for Memphis. A left back um, that has... Gosh, I just cannot get words out. What I want to say is, for Memphis's 
um, formation. That's exactly what he needs to be doing, and he has been doing it to a T. So to see Patrick Segres really get into his own here has been fantastic, um, aiding to Memphis's uh, at uh, not attributes. Um, good lord, I cannot get words out today. Um, contributing to how good Memphis have been this year. Wow, that was very very hard to get out. So Patrick Segres at left back, and then Noah Powder at right back. Now I know Noah Powder doesn't exactly play right back. He's more of a left back as well. But I think Noah Powder deserves to be in here, so I'm slapping him in at right back. Um, because he has been one of Indy's bright spots in what has been a better season than last year, but still not great. Um, but he has been absolutely fantastic. Him, Neville Hackshaw. Um, that's kind of it. Patino has been good for them. Or no, Pino, not Patino. Pino has been all right for them, but Powder has been huge for them. So Segris, no Powder, fullback duo, Steinwasser and goal at center back. Mitch Taintor, again, I know he's a fullback, but I'm putting him here because what he has done for the San Antonio team is incredible his defensive capabilities look like that of center back but his attacking capabilities look like that of a winger he really is an all-in-one package and he has been one of san antonio's best players that's why i put him in here and why i think san antonio could go all the way um this year mitch taintor is just that guy and then to partner him, we have Tosh from Louisville, Sean Tosh from Louisville. Um, he has been, he is like that old school shirt tucked in player. Um, and he just gets the job done at the back. Very get stuck in player. I love it. Very good defensively. Very good on the ball. Like I, um, like I just said, not afraid to get stuck in, put in a tackle. Um, yeah, very fantastic player. Sean Tosh is at CDMs. We have Cam Lindley, who I know is more of a um, attacking and progressive midfielder, but um, CDMs can be attacking-ish and progressive. Uh, and then I've also put Aaron Malloy. Um, Aaron Malloy, just like Patrick Segrist, has been an integral part of this Memphis team and um, their defensive capabilities, but also attacking capabilities. Cam Lindley has mostly accompanied him or mostly accustomed himself with the Colorado Springs to being an attacking player, but he has been able to play CDM at times. Um, I don't think there's anybody else that really matches what they do for their team, and that's kind of why I decided to put them at CDM. And then I think the front four really speak for themselves. Milan Iloski at camp, top goal scorer in the league, Ben. Orange County's only bright spot in what has been a very disappointing season. Um, and I know he will continue to bag the goals for them um, as the season continues. Wilson Harris at left mid has been fantastic for Louisville. I believe he is their top goal scorer as well. Mishi Ingalina at right mid um, from Colorado Springs Switchbacks has really come into his own after leaving SKC 2. Um, and then Otar Magnus Carlson on loan from Venezia at Oakland Roots. 
just like Milan Olowski, has been one of the few bright spots in what has been a disappointing-ish season for Oakland, but um, currently only second behind Milan Olowski in the goal-scoring charts with 11. So that is my team of the season so far. I don't really know. Obviously, this will be subject to change. Um, I think players like... I honestly don't know. I think right now they are stuck in for um, good for a while. It would take a decent amount for some of these players to be um, unseated. I think Tosh, Segrist, and Taintor. Not Taintor, actually. I think Segrist, Tosh, and probably Iloski could be the most likely to fall out by the end of the season. Iloski mainly because if Orange County hit a rut and he's not able to produce like he has been then he'll still have 12 goals um, from this first half of the season but I think if Orange County do not pick it up he could fall out just as a result of that which sucks but that could happen so there is my team of the season so far through about 17 match days now after looking at players we're going to look at teams my top five teams since June 23rd, and my worst five teams since June 23rd. Top five. One of these will, I think, surprise you. Number one, I have San Antonio FC. Top of the West. They have been ruthless um, so far this year. Then we have San Diego, who have really come back into their own uh, in recent weeks, really finding that form. Currently third in the West. Love what they are doing. Louisville, top of the East. They've had some struggles here and there. Um, they barely scraped a win against the Birmingham Legion at home. They got it done. Um, but, you know, tough win. Got it done. I just said that. <laughs> but that's why they're third. Um, and like I said, they've been dropping a couple points here and there. Then I have Tampa Bay Rowdies, who have been fantastic as well. And then I have Atlanta United, too, who have been picking up points for fun. Um, a good two-all draw at home against El Paso, I think, really sealed how good this Atlanta United 2 side is. And I know they're still not great um, positionally um, in their conference, but I think just the fact that they are a MLS second side, but the quality of their youth has been shining through so massively is just why I had to put them up here. Like these are young players with not that much experience, but players like Tristan Traeger, Rymar have been fantastic this year. And I think Atlanta United too, if they had a few more good pieces would be in a playoff push. So that's why I've put them there because they've really started to show in the past couple of weeks, um, how good they really are. And then for the worst five, we have Indy 11, um, who have been dropping uh, points not so... Uh, goodness me. It's like I've never spoken before. Indy 11, first of all, are not like my number one team who've been... Worst five is in no particular order. Top five is in order. Worst five is just overall. So worst five, Indy 11, have not been good. Phoenix, I'm putting there because of obvious reasons. They may be eighth or ninth in the West. But... The quality that they have 
and the they barely scraped a two-all draw against Orange County this past weekend. Richmond Antwi, um, late on, gets them the equalizer. New York Red Bulls, too, for obvious reasons, have been the foothold of the Eastern Conference for most of the season. Charleston have been the foothold of the Eastern Conference for some of the season as well. Both teams, um, not great. Charleston, I had a good and high ambitions for this year, and they've kind of been thrown out the window, which is disappointing. And then FC Tulsa, um, they've made some good trades. Um, they did trade away Rivas to Miami. They got in Sian McFarlane Jr. and Noah Powder for it. They traded away Sean Lewis, who I would say that they really didn't need because Wormel and Goal has been good for them as well. So I think Tulsa could be off of this list soon with some good results, um, especially coming off of some trades, which I think that they won, uh, to be completely honest. So yeah, my top five and my worst five teams since June 23rd. And then to top the episode off, I have three youngsters who I think would be the most likely to get a move away from the USL Championship soon. The first one is Josh Winder from Louisville, has had a fantastic season. Could follow easily in the footsteps of Jonathan Gomez of getting a move abroad um, if he is able to break into that first team, uh, which he has the capability of doing for sure. Very good on the ball. Very good defensively. Getting forward could use a bit of work, but he'll have plenty of time to do that with how young he is. So I think Josh Winder is a good candidate. I also think Michi and Galena is a good candidate. Attacking-wise, he is fantastic. Lacks a little bit defensively, but he is a wide mid, so that's not something you should be too concerned with. Um, and then Wilson Harris. Wilson Harris, I would say, is the one I would expect to move on uh, for sure, mainly because I think we've all known he's been he's had the ability for a while. So I wouldn't be surprised if Wilson Harris is the um, one of these three who moves away. First, he is Louisville's top goal scorer. He is very creative, very good with the ball, very clinical when it comes to his shot. And I think overall he has that package that screams um, transfer abroad more than the other two. I think the other two will be able to get those transfers at some point soon, but I think Wilson Harris will be first of the three. With that said, that is all for today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in for episode 13. Next week, we'll be back with our regular scheduled Thursday releases. This will be coming out on Thursday as well. But next week, um, we'll get back into that rhythm again. So a second week in a row of a Thursday episode will be nice. Because, you know, the first Thursday, the first one getting back, it feels like, yeah, you could be into it. But once you get to that second Thursday and... Uh, that second Thursday release, it really feels like you're getting back into the rhythm. So make sure to look out for the next episode of All Access USL next Thursday. And then I believe the history of Las Vegas Lights should be out next Monday or Tuesday. So be sure to look out for that. So thank you guys for listening today, and I will see you guys next time.